Welcome to the Vox Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're taking some time today to listen to today's message. If something from today's message specifically touches your heart, text Vox Church, all one word, to 97000, and one of our leaders would love to connect with you. Also, make sure you visit voxchurch.org for more information about our church and upcoming service locations and times. God bless you. My name is McKeith Regis, and my biblical conviction is that the Word of God is foundational. Like, that's how I've gotten to know God on a personal level and know Him intimately. But it also reminds me of when I first encountered Christ. Like I went through a season of receiving and experiencing his unconditional love and his healing um, in that time of my life. And it was great. But I also had this insecurity around prayer. I didn't feel like I had the words or I knew how to pray. And I remember watching a sermon on YouTube and the preacher said this. She said, if you don't know how to pray or if you don't know how or you don't know the words to pray, pray scripture. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, like that's simple. Um, I can do that. That's something that I can put into practice. And she also shared some practical ways of doing that. So I began to pray scriptures and For a while there, as I prayed scriptures, I didn't believe yet that his word um, and or his promises were for me too. Yeah, like his promises were for other people and those things would happen for them, but maybe it wouldn't happen for me. So along the years, as I've prayed scripture and as I've continued to pray scripture, um, I've come into this knowing that His word is also for me. His promises are yes and amen. And I can stand on that. Um, And even beyond that, Hebrews 4.12 says that his word is active and well. And to see how his word has come alive in me and in the lives of other people um, that surround me has been amazing. So yeah, just resting on his word and resting on his promises has been foundational for how I live my life now. Like the word is a blueprint. (laughs) All the questions we may have, the doubts that we may have about God or about faith, the answers are within the word. So yeah. Amen and amen. Hey, welcome to Vox Church. Welcome, you made it. Happy Memorial Day. Good to see all your incredibly beautiful faces. My name is Ryan, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Happy and joyful to serve with you. Um, If you don't know me, my wife and I have been around uh, at Vox for 10 years, and I've been on staff for seven, and I serve here as well as in some of our other campuses. And so just happy to be with you. Have you guys enjoyed this series, this conviction series? You guys like this series? So good, so good. Can we just take a moment and thank and honor Justin and our other leaders here? Just all they do. Thank you so much. We love you. Yeah, this series is is an important, significant series for our church in that we're taking the Apostles' Creed, which has been around uh, for, for many, many, many years, and using it as a blueprint, as a foundation to really look into some scriptural theological beliefs that we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And so if you've missed kind of some of those weeks, I would encourage you to jump back. They're online, on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, take a look at them because they are insignificant, important for our church. Uh, again, I'm going to read the entirety of the Creed. It'll be on the screen. And then we're going to jump into a couple of the verse, uh, uh, just specifically one of the phrases today. 
The Apostle Creed says this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to look into this little six-word phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We're going to look into this, this phrase and use Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 9, 10, and 11, just as a guidepost. And so I'm going to read this. Again, this will be on the screen as well, and then we'll get started. It's Romans 8, verse 9. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ... And Christ lives within you, so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. The title of my talk today is Necessity Misplaced. Necessity Misplaced. Would you pray with me? God, we just take the next few minutes. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the community of believers, God, the gathering of the saints. Lord, we thank you uh, just for moments like this where you can collectively speak to your people, God. So we pray, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was two Christmases ago that I was very excited about a gift that I was going to give to my wife. And so uh, my wife and I, my wife Elaine and I have been married almost 15 years. Almost 15 years. Come on, somebody. We made it. We got like 150 more to go, but we made it 15. And so, uh, so you know, I, I got her a very practical gift. And so um, at that time, you know, uh, I was like, you know, she, she could really use something to help her find her phone or her wallet or her keys. And so I bought her. It's called a Tile. And it's a tracker. It's a Bluetooth, Bluetooth tracker. connects to your phone. And so you can ring your phone from your keys. You can ring your wallet from your phone. And so you can kind of, uh, you're able to locate these things that we often misplace as people. You can get ones for your remote controls and all these things. And so I bought her kind of the deluxe pack. It was six tiles in one box. And I was like, she really needs this thing. Like, she needs this thing so bad. She's, she's misplacing stuff all over the place. She really needs this. And so Christmas Day comes, and, you know, our kids, again, are 11, 6, and 3. We kind of, they, they open their gifts, and then Elaine and I start to open uh, the gifts for each other. And so we always kind of exchange one. So I'll give her one. She'll give me one. The box is about this big. And so I go to give her this tile. And then the, the one that she handed me was oddly the same size. And so I said, oh, okay, this is interesting. What could this be? And I open it up, and I go, you really think I need this? And we had given each other the same gift, the same gift. Now, that was two years ago, and over the last couple of years, I have um, had some self-realization that I, too, often misplace things. And so literally it is my wallet, my keys, my phone, my water bottle. And so what will happen, even on a Sunday morning here, I'm running around Brantford, and there's lots of awesome things happening, talking to great people, all the things. Um, I will take my Bible, and I'll place it down somewhere, and then I will walk away. 
And so what, what's, what's been happening recently is my team members have been send, sending me, texting me photos of where my stuff is left throughout the building. And so the amount of times that I leave my Bible on the hand sanitizer station is insurmountable. And I don't even use the hand sanitizer station around here. And so, so literally, they'll text me photos of, of my things. Uh, my water bottle, 32 ounces, will be full, not drinking, right? Not empty, not halfway full. And I'll, I'll place it in the corner of the room, and then I'll walk away. And then I'll get a text uh, at, at, you know, 1.30. I just left, and they go, hey, you left something here. And it's, you know, it, it, it's easy in life, with the crazy of life, to misplace things. But beyond just even kind of material things, it's easy to misplace other things. Like, what about passion? Right? Instead of investing in that marriage that you know you should really invest your passion into, or instead of investing in that community group to get to build community with other believers, we often invest our passion elsewhere. Like, like we're, we're uh, so consumed with the hobby or the activity or rebuilding things that we misplace and put passion in the wrong places. Or maybe you've misplaced intentionality. Where you know, hey, I should really be intentional with my children. I should really be intentional in kind of diverting energy into those godly relationships. But instead, I, I'm, I, I'm, I funneled all my intentionality, all my time, all my effort into acquiring stock or checking my bank account or, or checking the workout or doing a variety of things. Or maybe you're here today and you would say, I even feel misplaced as a person. You feel like you lost yourself, like you, like you don't belong, like you almost don't know who you are anymore. You may be here today saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, but if I'm honest, I feel like something is missing. Something is lost. And I don't, I don't know if you would say that maybe, just maybe, you've lost the passion or the pursuit of God to know him, to know his ways, to be changed by him. And then we do things like this, and we look at phrases like, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it does beg the question, church, do I believe this? And not just do I believe this, but do I believe this to the point where it actually impacts or changes the way I look at my life, at who God is, and who he is in me. And if, if, if many of us were honest today, there is a chance that many of us have misplaced the understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's gotten lost somewhere. That deep conviction about the third person of the Trinity and his work in your life is absent or maybe even non-existent. And you know what? There's consequences to that, right? There, there are things that, that naturally happen due to that. And some of those consequences could be a muted life in Christ, a dull instead of vibrant life in Jesus. It could be a cerebral Christianity where all your belief is stuck up here and nothing is happening down here. It could be what you would say is a powerless Christianity or a fruitless Christianity. And it's because that we have a misplaced understanding of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the misplaced understanding of God's Spirit, it does breed a powerless life. And today, my prayer for us is that we return. Is that you and I, as the church, we return to a right understanding of the Holy Spirit. See, it was always God's intention to dwell on the inside of the human heart. It, always, it was always God's intention to inhabit, to live on the inside of his people. And the greatest need for the church in New England, 
right? The greatest need for our church, the greatest need for New England is that the church would rediscover an understanding of who God's spirit is, who he is, his role in our lives, and what God wants to do on the inside of us to see his glory spread. When you think about the Holy Spirit, I wonder what comes to your mind? Okay, so he's the third person of the Trinity, right? If you were here in week two of this, Sean Haggerty, our ministry's pastor, he talked about God, uh, the Father Almighty. And he was talking about his flannel graphs, right? If you were here, you you remember his flannel graphs uh, as a kid in Sunday school a long, long time ago, right? God bless you, Sean. We love you. And, 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 you know, the, the Holy Spirit was likened to a bird or a dove. Is that what you think of? Do you think of the Holy Spirit as a bird or a dove? You know, the Holy Spirit, the topic, the idea, who he is, could be confusing. It could be controversial. But the width about what he wants to accomplish and who he is is endless. Just the term spirit itself, just the term spirit is is used over 500 times in the book, in the Bible. And so Jesus' grand plan for humanity, for you and I, was to come, was to die on a cross for sin, was to defeat death and resurrection, was to ascend at the right hand of the Father, and then inaugurate a new covenant by sending the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of the believer. I love what Jesus says in John 14. This is such a beautiful picture of, again, some of the Holy Spirit's activity in the Scripture. John 14, verse 16 through 18, it'll be on the screen. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. See, it's because of the Holy Spirit, it's because of God's Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, that he would come to us and live on the inside of us. Scripture teaches that there are so many various attributes or names or or characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to list some of them for us today. That he's our helper. Like, friends, if you need help, the Holy Spirit is there to help you as a believer. He's our comforter, our advocate, our counselor. He's the Spirit of peace. He's the one who convicts of sin. He fills us with revelation and wisdom and power. He's our helper in weakness. He's the guidance into all truth. He's the one that bears fruit, and he's the one that gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit of God is there, living on the inside of the believer, to reveal Jesus to our hearts. To reveal Jesus to, who, who, to, to, reveal Jesus to us. And today, just for the next couple minutes, as we unpack these three verses, 8, 9, and 10, I want to uncover, I want to uncover three misplaced truths. Three misplaced truths that we must rediscover to understand the Holy Spirit, his work in our lives, and who we are meant to be in him. Verse 9, it'll be on the screen. It says, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Question for you today. What are you controlled by? What, are you con- what controls you? Would you say that you're controlled by God's spirit? See, culture teaches that actually nothing should control you, right? That nothing should control you. That you should live completely independently of anything and, and anyone. That you should be the one in control, right? That I control me. That's what culture teaches. But if you look into that, that's actually a false reality. It's a farce. 
We are all controlled by something. It could be a person. It could be a people. It could be a thing. It could be something you're walking through right now. Those things control us. What controls you? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it material things, money? Is it other people? Is it your schedule? Does your schedule control you? Is it, is it status or that specific person? Is it your need to be right all the time? Does that control you? Just this obsession with being right. Does the, does the way you see yourself, your body image control you? Does your sexual appetite control you? What controls you? See, when you, when you have a free moment to think, which I don't know how much you have that, right? I feel like I have very free moments, very few free moments at times. But whenever you have a free moment to think, that which your mind goes to right away could be one of the things that controls you. Could be one of the things that which has control over you, right? We are controlled by what we belong to. And so when we think about those things that can compel us, that direct us, that control us, right? That we, if you think about that, we end up at times without even realizing it, belonging to those things, right? Those things control or direct us. And see, Paul says here in verse 9, he says, you are meant to be controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. See, once you say yes to Christ, you're meant to be controlled or directed by Him. Now, this is not, again, even, even the word control, right? As soon as I say it, it has a negative connotation. But, but when we look at controlled, from the scripture perspective, this is not a robotic, I must not have an opinion about anything. But this is that when Christ comes into my life, when Christ moves in, when Jesus takes up residency, I actually, out of the overflow of love, just want to do the things that he wants me to do. Right? There's a glad submission. It's not, it's not a against my will forced. There's a glad submission that we have as believers to come under the leadership of Jesus. Right? It, become, it means that he becomes the captain of your ship. It, it means that he becomes the one that makes the final decisions. It, it's he is the one that calls the shots. Right? Once you say yes to Jesus, you kind of put up your hands and go, my life is now yours. You call the shots. And when you say yes to Christ, you then release control of everything to him. And your life is meant to live in step with his. And he placed his spirit, hear me today, he placed his spirit on the inside of you to lead you and to guide you. He placed his spirit on the inside of you so that you would know whose you are. We belong to him. We're meant to belong to him. Friends, before the foundation of the world, God's plan to reconcile man back to God was to send Jesus, right? And so when you say, I want my sins forgiven, when you say, I want to live eternally with God, when you say, I want to submit my life to God's ways, when you say, I want to be led by him, brought into his family, what you're saying is that I want to belong. And so where you and I once had misplaced belonging, we were made to belong to God. We were made to belong to him. And this is the first truth that you and I must realize in rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Is that with the Holy Spirit, ultimate belonging is satisfied. Ultimate belonging is satisfied. See, we, 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 we have to uh, just admit that at the core of who we are, at the core of you and I, at the core of our being, we want to belong to something. We were made to belong to something. American psychologist Abraham Maslow created this pyramid or this hierarchy of needs 
um, as, as one of the best-known theories of motivation. He says that our actions, how we act, is motivated by certain physiological needs, that there are certain physiological needs that kind of direct how we act. And he calls it belongingness, right? He says the need to be loved and belong, belongingness, is part of one of the major needs that motivates the human behavior. I mean, literally, this is not the Bible. American psychologist Abraham Maslow says belongingness is one of the major needs that motivate human behavior. The need for love and the need for belonging lie at the center of a a variety of social needs that we have. He actually says that, that the need for belonging helps people experience companionship and acceptance through family, friends, and other relationships. He did a a 2020 study two years ago of college students, and they were able to prove that there's a positive link. There's actually literally a link, right, between belonging or a sense of belonging and greater happiness and overall well-being. That happiness and well-being is actually directly connected or can be connected to belonging, as well as a reduction in anxiety, depression, hopelessness, loneliness, social anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. And so what I want to tell you today is that the need to belong, your need to belong was placed on the inside of you before you were born by God himself. And through your faith in Christ, God fulfills that need by planting his spirit on the inside of you by bringing you into his family. Come on. Verse 10. Verse 10 will be on the screen. And Christ lives within you so that even, even though your body will die because of sin, The Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. See, Christ living in you was not always the reality. right? Maybe you were brought up in a Christian home and you knew Christ very early. Maybe you didn't. And so there was a moment right, where you were um, without him, where you were dead in your sin. Ephesians 2 says it's so great. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were nature, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, someone say, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, we must recognize what happens here. Theologians call it regeneration, right? Regeneration. This is the redemptive work of recreation. This is where the Holy Spirit enters the life of this spiritually dead individual with a transforming power that brings new life. You become reborn or born again is what the scripture says, not in flesh, but in spirit. And you would say, what does that look like? What it looks like is your old person is dead to sin. Your old person who was once in bondage to sin and standing under God's condemnation is regenerated, is reborn. The core of your human existence is changed. You have a new disposition. You have a new perspective. You're liberated by the Holy Spirit. You are made alive to the things of God. 
You are meant to, friend, you and I as believers in Jesus are meant to be made alive to the things of God, right? You have a new sense of values. You have a new outlook on life. You have a new understanding of self. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is giving you life. It's so dramatic. It's such a dramatic change that Jesus literally uses the term reborn or born again. And this morning, my prayer for you and I, my prayer for us, is that we would see the invitation that God has extended to us to live a life fully alive in Christ. And you would say, what does the fully alive person look like? What does that look like? What do they think about? What do they value? How do they look at their life in light of eternity? How do they view their purpose here on earth? You know, I was a 10-year-old kid, and um, if you know me, you know, I wasn't really that good at sports. So I played baseball, you know, as a little league kid most of my life. And then I played football. I was probably, again, probably 10, 11. And so I played football. Uh, Our team lost. We were 0-16. We lost every game. And I played defensive end, kind of. And then my other position was I was was the third-string quarterback. So if you know anything about the third-string quarterback, I never played. I never played. And so I just wasn't very good. And so I'm 10, 11, and I try to play tennis. And I'm actually not terrible at tennis. And so, so that becomes, you know, once you're good at something, you have a, a new sense of confidence, and you just kind of roll with it. And so 10, 11, 12, I, I began to eat, sleep, and breathe tennis. And so everything I did, I would play six hours a day. I would, like, beg my mom to drive me to the tennis court in the, in the, in the winter, and I would shovel the snow off the court so I could practice my serve. And I was so committed. I literally would cut out tennis uh, news articles from the newspaper and put them in scrapbooks. Like, who does that? I would, I would take VHS tapes. Remember VHS tapes? If you're under 25, God has a plan for your life too. Like, I would, I would take VHS tapes and put them in the VCR. And then remember, you have to hold, um, record, and play at the same time to get it to record. And I would record match after match after match. I had bins of ten. I was obsessed. And then I'm 16, and I meet Jesus. I meet Jesus. And I still loved tennis, but 16, 17, 18, I, I, I had desires that began to change. I began to see life differently. And, and my purpose began to shift from solely focused on a sport to wanting to be used by God. 16, 17, 18, I knew that I wanted to be used by God to see the world change. Come on. I wanted to see the world change. I want to be, do my part. I want to see New England changed. I want to see this region change. God gave me a new purpose. I was literally caught up in a new purpose. This was before I was a pastor, before I was in ministry. I had a new and divine purpose. And this is the second truth, friends. The second truth that we must realize as we discover, rediscover the understanding of the Holy Spirit is that with the Holy Spirit, ultimate purpose is unlocked. Ultimate purpose is unlocked. See, for me, I had misplaced purpose. It wasn't bad, right? It just wasn't God's best. And even now, this morning here in Brantford, God wants to give people in this room. He wants, he wants to literally, I, I saw, I saw like, a, like, a, like a padlock being opened. God wants to unlock new purpose for people in the room this morning right now. He wants to, you're not going to quit your job tomorrow, right? But God wants to unlock new purpose, a new understanding of what he has for your life. Frederick Nietzsche German philosopher says it this way. He says, he who has a why to live for 
can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. What's your why? Why do you get up in the morning? What's your purpose? I, and you, you, you may tell me what you do for a job, but what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Thomas Merton says it this way. If you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I am living for. In detail, ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. What is keeping you from living fully for that which God has designed you to live for? Final verse here, Romans 8, chapter 11. It says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. And so if we look so far at this, at this need to belong, right, as, as the Holy Spirit being the one that, that pulls us into the family of faith by faith in Christ. Right? We've looked at this, this divine purpose that God wants to unlock to give us a greater purpose beyond our day in and day out routines. But then we look at this verse, and there's two things that stand out for me. Right? There's, there's, the first thing is, is that it's very clear that, that Paul is saying here that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of the believer. Let, let's, let's park there for just a moment. Like, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when you said yes to Christ, when you placed your faith in, in Jesus, when you received the, what he did on a cross for you, when the, the Holy Spirit then comes in, moves in, takes up residency. And friends, that's not a junior Holy Spirit. It's not a secondary Holy Spirit. It's not 50% of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised the dead man on the third day lives on the inside of you. You. Not just your neighbor, not just the, 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 the holy guy that lives next to you. You, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You're his temple. You're the place where he dwells. But see, that's not the end of the story. The second part of that verse is that that's not, actually not the end of it. I mean, I mean that, that's pretty awesome. Like when I wake up in the morning and remind myself, because you know what, I'll, I'll tell you, we often need a reminder, right? We often need a reminder. Actually, most days we need a reminder, and so when I wake up in the morning and remind myself that God's spirit, lit, that because I said yes to Jesus, because I handed my life over to him, what he did on a cross, his death and resurrection, the, the, the Holy Spirit lives on the, when I remind myself of that, that like, like I need that reminder every single day. But it doesn't end there. It says that then he will also give life to your mortal body. By the same spirit, right? And so, so it's, it's this twofold reality. It's that as of right now, this moment, right, before the fullness of God's kingdom is inaugurated, we have the spirit of Christ living on the inside of us. And at the same time, this is not the end of it, right? That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and he will also raise me. He will also raise me to life. Like, I don't have to fear tomorrow. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear the unknown. Why? Because I know there'll be a day where, my, where I'll see him, and then I know there'll be a day where my body will be raised. And this, come on, somebody. And I just wonder what that does to you. Like, what, what, what does that do to you when you think about those realities? Because I know for me, it causes me to live differently. 
It gives me a confidence to live differently. And I just wonder, do you have a confidence, church? Do you have a confidence that goes beyond your ability? Do you have a confidence that goes beyond your personality or your giftings? Maybe you're really good at X, Y, Z things. Maybe that's why you have the job you do or the whatever. And, 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 and that's great. God gave you those things. But is there a confidence that goes beyond that? Do you have a confidence that, that drifts beyond those things? It's crazy to me. I talk to believers all the time. Right? I talk to followers of Jesus all the time. And it is crazy to me how many of us lack confidence in Christ. Right? It's like the enemy's plan for you and I is to keep us wondering, does God really love me? Is he really for me? Does, 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 does he know, does he know, you know, does he have my tomorrow secure, right? Like the enemy's plan is to keep you wondering, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that you were actually made to have a rock solid, immovable confidence in Christ, right? You were made for so much more. And, and you know what you need? You need that inner knowing of the Holy Spirit. Theologians call this, they call this assurance, Assurance. Maybe you've heard this term before, maybe you've not. But assurance is just, it's a, it's, it's a divine confidence. It's like in, in, in the knowing of your knower, you just know. You just know. How did I get that? You can't get it at Target. Right? You can't get it by serving at church. You can't get it by, by, by giving enough money. Right? You get it by divine encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you again, talking to Christians over and over again, lacking confidence, I go, I go, the Lord wants to give you confidence. He wants to give you a fresh assurance today. The, the, the picture of this is so great in the life of John Wesley, great evangelist of our, of our previous time, son of a preacher, grew up in a religious home. Um, but but uh, uh, writers said that there was a dynamic connection with God that was not apparent for John. Right, and so, so he's growing up as a kid, um, you know, in the 1720s, and he said, okay, my dad's a pastor, my dad's a minister, so I'll be a minister. Okay, my dad's an ordained minister, so I'm going to get ordained. But if you read the accounts of his life, there was clearly something missing. And so growing up in this home where Christ was often taught, uh, one said of Wesley, he came into adulthood with one concept, one particular idea of how the religious life should work for him. And I think that's exactly what he had to relearn. He had initially planned to live life a certain way and, and that he thought that would make a great relationship with God. But they described Wesley in, in the 1730s as, as going over to, to, from, from London to America to do some missionary work and coming back and being dissatisfied. Uh, they, they, they said that he was, he, he, he was at a low point. Right? And so literally, in, in 1738, he had just got back to London from coming to America to do mission work. Right? He was in Georgia, came to America to do mission work, came back to London, and was at a low point. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, like, I get the ups and downs of life, but if I had just done a big stint of missionary work in another country, I'm coming back excited. I'm coming back on fire. And so what was happening with John Wesley that he was so low? And so he comes back from this, 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 uh, this missionary effort, again, at a low point, and he was invited on May 24th, uh, 1738, he was invited to this group meeting, probably a prayer meeting. And they said, writers said that he was reluctant to attend, but he went, May 24th, 1738, at a meeting in London on Aldersgate Street. And as he's there at this meeting, and they're reading, they're reading from Martin Luther's preface to, to, to the book of Romans. They're not even re reading the Bible. 
They're just reading the, inner, the preface, like Martin Luther's words. And, and as they're reading these words, whoever's reading these words, um, John Wesley describes that God was strangely warming his heart. Right? He says he felt his heart strangely warmed. Uh, John Wesley says that I felt that God loved me. I experienced that God loved me. It was no longer something in my head. It was no longer just something cerebral, but it was something that I felt in my heart. John Wesley says, I felt like I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation, but then an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sin, right? Even mine, that he saved me from the law of sin and death. It was the sense that God loved him, even him. Do you need that type of assurance today? Do you need that? When I look at that, that, that picture of, of Wesley's journey, he was brought into the family of faith, and he belonged to God. He knew he had a purpose. I mean, he went overseas. He knew he had a purpose. But he needed to discover an assurance, a confidence to see his life differently. And this is the final truth that we must rediscover is that with the Holy Spirit, ultimate assurance is discovered. Ultimate assurance is discovered. Would you stand with me this morning? Friends, God wants you to live on this life. You may have a little bit or a lot of time, but God wants you to live the rest of your days here Knowing that you belong. Once you place your faith in Jesus, you belong to him. You were made for him. He made you for himself. He, you were made for God. You were made for God. God wants you to live with this understanding that you may belong to the key club or the social club or the senior center, the church, but you belong to him. He wants you to know that there's a purpose that he wants to unlock. God literally this morning wants to unlock divine purpose and destiny in many of you this morning. But then he wants in the depth of your knower, right? Right in here. He wants you to know assurance, confidence that he loves you. He wants you this morning, and I believe it's going to happen as we sing in just a moment, as we sing, that you are going to experience God's love in a fresh tangible way as you sing and i'm just gonna say we're gonna sing again in just a moment and i would say for the people that 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 are 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 open mouth singers praise the lord but i'm gonna tell you one of the keys to unlocking this is participation so if, if you're one that kind of like just sings in your head i'm gonna say sing with your mouth open this morning sing the words out and watch what god i really really believe that there is a supernatural transaction that's going to happen this morning I believe that the days of cerebral Christianity are over. I believe that the days for powerless or fruitful Christianity are over. And I believe that there is a transaction God wants to do in us today. Ezekiel 36, the last verse of the day, it says this. Be on the screen. And I will give you a new heart. That's what God wants to do this morning. He wants to give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray that a newness of heart 
that there's a transaction that takes place, that there's a supernatural working of the Holy Spirit as we sing. Yeah, Lord, right now, God, we just, yeah, we thank you that you're here. Thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Thank you, God, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and liberty. God, where the the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. God, as we sing, Lord, as we open up our mouths this morning, God, even by faith, we go, I don't even know if this is going to work. As we, by faith, open up our mouths, God, I thank you, Lord, that belonging, Lord, that a divine belonging happens. Lord, that we'll know that we belong to you. God, that a confidence, a, a destiny arises in your people. And that, and that an assurance is welled up, is discovered. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today to this Vox Church sermon. If something from today's message spoke to you and you've just made the decision to follow Jesus, text Vox Church, all one word, to 97000, and one of our leaders will help you as you begin your journey with Christ. God bless you.